Episode 6. I'm Sean Heffernan, and beside me is Hayden Moore. We have Sean Ivey, and we have Connor Byrne, who's going to lead off in the League of Ireland section um, last Friday's and last night's fixtures. Right, so I suppose we we'll start off with the match that took place in the Carlisle grounds between Bray and Bowes. Uh, Bowes obviously coming away 3 1 winners. What do you think, lads? It was a good performance from Bowes, but how inept were Bray Wanderers that they had a fair bit of possession, but they were just literally could not get any balls properly forward. They lacked anything up front. They just didn't have any desire again. Same thing happened when they played there in a park a few weeks back. No desire. And I just can't see how they're going to get out of the relegation spiral the way they are. They've just shown no ingenuity. They had one or two half-decent breaks. But again, there just wasn't players in the box to, to, to take on any good passes and all that, any good crosses. Bowles won the match, but again, they weren't playing out their skins and there may have been other games such as Rovers and all that it was a bit of a laboured win in some ways as, as the saying goal it was a bit like a training match that they didn't really have to exert themselves cracking goal from uh, Dylan Watts or sorry Old Stokes to get the third goal peach of a goal great was going and I think it's important again that we're six points clear now of relegation playoff spots so that's good that we have a bit of data now and hope we continue that come the next few games Balls have really been starting to strike a bit of form haven't they? Like they're, like they're actually starting to score more goals now than they were previously. They are, and that's a good sign because I think that what has happening is we are two of our strikers were injured. So I think that just so happened that other players such as midfield and all have to step up to the plate, have had to take more chances than goal, and they're just going to get that bit more proficient just out of necessity. Mm. They were last season, they wouldn't have been taking so many chances because we had fit strikers and we had people up front. Then we had the one striker who still, as I say, is still injured, uh, not fully fit. That's Danny Corcoran, which is obviously playing brilliant at the moment. So it's good to see that we have a bit more around playing, and that's good. Hopefully now it continues and we get some more results and that we can be 100% clear yeah. of relegation. That's <coughs> Bray have been playing a lot better though the last month or so. Yeah. But I was out in uh, Bray, I think it was about a week ago, outside the Carlisle grounds, when they were in the middle of the game with Derry. And like, they won that game 2-1, but you wouldn't have even known there was a match on. Like The game was so quiet. The whole stadium was just silent when I walked by. Because I got off the train there and you wouldn't have even known. You wouldn't have even known there was a match. Yeah, there's obviously like a lack of support for them. Because they're, they're, but even when they're winning, they're there's a lack of support. What's the story there? I think there's just no hope from the fans. They just lost lost hope completely. Like, they haven't been alright though. Yeah, they, they did draw with Waterford uh, last night at the Carlisle grounds as well. Yeah. Just when you mentioned the stadium, uh, as you were going by, so it was more like a ghost town than nothing, was it? Yeah, it really was. I couldn't even, to be honest with you, I couldn't even see fans. Like, there's like a, a park where you can see right into the stadium, into the stand, and I don't even know if there was, <laughs> if there was even any fans at the game. Like A grey wall surround. Yeah, like, yeah. you wouldn't have even known that it was a stadium. Yeah. It was uh, pretty sad, to be honest. But in their last uh, five games at home, they've drawn one, one, two. And they lost their two, obviously. But like, well, obviously, um, it was great to see them beat Shamrock Rovers. Oh, no, one three, sorry, one three in the last <coughs> Yeah, including Shamrock Rovers. But when the, there was, I think there was 897 or something was the, was the tour now last Friday night. And there was a, still a fairly decent both contingent. And they, you know, that was saying something. So you can only imagine how low attendances are. It felt like it was a Limerick or a Cork are playing. 
because obviously distance of all the Friday night, they're not going to get many people turning up, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> that could be a problem too. How that's one of the problem. How do you keep it a club going if you're not actually getting the attendances in? And it shows again that you walk down the main street of Bray, you walk by Liverpool, United, Chelsea jerseys of young fellas. They're not going into the games, and it's unfortunate. But again, the FEI needs to be you know, strategies now to try and get people. And if you have more younger people go to the system instead of go to England and the more exciting football, then you will get people into the game. Well, that's a perennial problem. Right, well, I suppose we move on to um, Stanley at uh, the Brandywell, Derry drawn nil all Cork. What's your thoughts? Good results for Derry if you were to look at it. Um, we're Cork uh, second now at the moment. Uh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're three points behind now, aren't they? Yeah. Like, uh, and then obviously Derry encountered that loss last night, but we'll get into that later. But uh, yeah, they still seem to be like they're able to roll out some good performances. They're fourth now, so it's well, it's well deserved result. Uh, stalemate would probably be another award, but, but like it was probably a really uh, exciting game. We're both were probably trying to outdo each other. Yeah, especially with like Derry. Yeah, they have a very exciting attack, don't they? Yeah, a very aggressive team as well. Like. Uh, Maybe it was um, a bad result for Cork, obviously, wanting to solidify the it was. top place. I mean, I was listening to the match report on RT on Friday night, and it was RT Radio, and it was surprising that the commentator was saying that uh, Cork had a number of decent, half-decent chances, and late in the game they fluffed them, which is unusual for Cork. Normally, like, if any chance are carved out, they'll just leap to the front of the goal. So that was surprising for me to hear that, that they missed out, you know, the kind of, cause it's very unusual for them, so you wonder, like, what the story is, it's just to hope, you know, the Cork fans be hoping that it's not something that continues, you know, because obviously, you know, what happened last season when they sold, uh, it was the Maguire that was sold and then yeah. all of a sudden, like, they literally couldn't score. So, they did seem to uh, address that this season. Though. They did, yeah, so, so it was unusual, as I say, it may, obviously, maybe it's a one-off blip, but it wasn't, as I say, given the form of today, I was surprised to hear that, that, as I say, the last 10 minutes, so they had probably three really good chances and they didn't take them. They haven't played well though, like uh, Kieran Sadler and Graham Cummins. <coughs> mm. Seven and eight. Match them as well. And yeah, he's really comfortable, isn't he? Uh, Shepard. Mm. Right, so, uh, well, you want Shepard only has a goal. Ah, but he, he works. He does well with the build of play and all. So mm. that's that's probably why. Bit of a John Walters. I was actually surprised that uh, I was expecting Derry to go in and blow Cork away. To be honest with you, at the brand new. Yes, yeah, they've, they've been winning most of their matches, mm. obviously, <coughs> except from last night. But. Yeah, they've won every game at the brand new up until that point. They're, they're very yeah. good in the break. That's the one thing with Derry have to even. I know we had back when we the past game at all because on telly. But they're really good in the break, and that's where they hit teams. And I've seen numerous games this season at the Randy well, where the other team, the away team, would have more possession, etc. But they still come out winning it, and that's a key of a good side that can soak up pressure and then just unleash their attack. And I think they'll, they, they, they could surprise me. I mean, the fourth place still, they're still in the hunt for that. I know Waterford are doing well at the moment, but they're, they're still in the hunt for fourth place, if you ask me. Did Derry play uh, both Cork and Dundalk at home, yeah? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was the first game they played time with Cork because the previous game that was supposed to play them had to be postponed because yeah. there was no ground because the Bradley was supposed to be ready on that date and they'd given up the the lease to play in, in Punkrana so they couldn't go back to Punkrana because so contractual arrangements had to call off the game and it's going to be obviously played at a later date that particular fixture. Right, and then um, Dundalk beast I go two one at home. Uh, what do you think of that? 
It's not much to say. It's a comfortable win for them. Bit of a nothing game, isn't it? Like, yeah. like you'd expect Dundalk yeah. to go in and blow them away. Although they didn't, it was only a 2-1 result, but still, you expected to win on their half. When you look at the stats of that game, there wasn't much input, but again, it's a sign of a team that you get that better look, that's in form, yeah. I think it's still grind yeah, out results, even when it just looks like a bit dour. I remember Bowles were like that back 10 years ago. Well, they're like that now. The league, and I, of course they're not. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, I know it's the pattern, but that's a sign then of a good team. Like a Rovers, or Water, I'm not so sure if they would do that. You know, because I mean, that's the thing where it's the dock, they just seen the last few minutes, they grab the winning goal and they just have a panache for that. So I think, yeah, they're going to do very well this season. And, and that's what you have your ups and downs and ebbs and flows. Patrick Coben scored twice in that game, that brings him up to 11 for the season. <clears throat> yeah, he's doing well too, I have to say. They're very clinical, aren't they? Like they're very clinical in there on the box. Like you would rarely see them get up in the last like 20 yards and not score. <laughs> of course, yeah. It's great, and also we have to look at the back four as well again. Still quite fairly started all the same. Like, and that's one of the things this season that they've. they've done well with and obviously the dog fans hope and it won't be like other seasons where come the summer that they lose more players so see player, really. uh, and then Pats beat uh, Limerick away 1-0 yeah. what do you think of that <coughs> good result for the Saints they needed it <laughs> they definitely needed it yeah there's problems now with Limerick at the moment because your man I think it's O'Sullivan the guy who bankrolled the club Apparently his fuel merchant business, I was told by a fellow from Limerick, is now in trouble now it's gone to administration, so there's some concerns over that. Players are wondering like, are we still gonna get paid our wages? What's the whole thing? And you have to wonder, is that affecting them on the pitch? Mm-hmm. Are they as focused as they should be? And that all can often happen. We see what happened Bray last year. They were third at one stage in the league and suddenly boom, mm-hmm. all the turmoil went down behind the scenes yeah, and you could see it affected. Yeah, yeah see it affected them mentally. And you have to wonder at Limerick too. I mean the one hand you say with Limerick Fair play, they're keeping it in the black, they're not, they're not spending money they don't have, and they're trying to get local young talent in. But you need a bit of a mix of experience there on the side as well to when the chips are down, to drag the team with the bootlaces and just get them in. And I can't, don't see that with uh, Limerick at the moment. There's no one really there. You know, Denny he's there, but he's not the talisman in the sense that you need yeah. somebody just to G them up and just get them fired up to try and, if they're one down, you kind of feel, yeah, they've lost the game. It's that kind of thing with them now, unless they score forced. He just no, no. There's there's courting for them, you know. It's still such a problem for Pat's though. Like <coughs> their top scorer only has four goals, and it's Jake Keegan. Um, and he, he the only reason he's top scorer is because he scored twice against Bowles there a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, so like, yeah, the fact that they're even respecting a lot more from the start of the season. Yeah, you really are. <laughs> All the signs they made, and they really should be doing a lot better. Yeah, uh, you almost had a point to play from last season that like it was just a one stuff. Uh, that seems to be happening again though. They are mid-table though. Still, for the team they have done, some of the players are still quite good quality. I guess it is just misfiring, isn't it? Seven, seven wins, uh, four draws, six losses. Yeah. And the goal difference is only plus one. So they are just kind of like... Scraping. They're just a mid-table side right now, isn't it? Like, and they seem they to be... should be doing so much better than the team that they have. They should be. Well, yeah. they do seem almost happy. Complacent. Yeah. Like they just seem like they're comfortable. Yeah. I mean, we we drew against them recently, Richard Park again. It was just like that. It was just like they just let their guard down. They just in the second half, they were nothing. Mm. They just literally had no kind of impetus in them. They lost their shape, and it was just like yeah, just wave the white flag, world, don't you? You know, and that was the thing I found with them that they just when balls came back, them they did nothing. Resilience there just to see out the match. I think they actually need to. They need to look again, like a creative midfielder because the the centre mid they haven't got much there. Mm. Yeah, they only have the likes of Arn Garvin Jamie Lennon Jamie Lennon's on young like, and Darren <coughs> Darren Mark is it 
Yeah. Down, you know. <clears throat> yeah. But there's not much there's not much quality there they can send. I mean I don't think a lot of attacks kinda of come from the wing back positions. Yeah. Do you think they're missing Lunny since he's gone to balls? Or do you think that it's the same much much running back to the last season? He was good, he was mine, he was just as a sub, like, but I don't think it's that much. Really you know, I'm surprised at how they're doing because of Simon Madden. And Simon Madden in, on his own is a good player. And I expected more from them because of that. Because last year, Rover as well, he turned things around. He was a bit of, he was a creative player. Yeah. So then you also wonder about the tactics of the team. Again, the question is, is Madden playing at the proper position? Is he able to like um like Pogba United? Is he able to use the full weight of his talents? He doesn't hit be fast enough. I don't think. Okay. Yeah. Nine wing back. Yeah, but I think he was. He sometimes played centre mid. I think at times for Rovers. Oh, he lost your right back. Was the offender? That but anyway, yeah, that's the thing. He would have expected more from because again, so yeah, time will tell how that pans out with the minnow next. I want to see more of your man James doing it. Yeah, he's he's talent alright, but um. He just he's been, he hasn't been great coming off the coming off the bench. I think you might have to like, do something special. To, yeah, but like, uh, earn, uh, you can't really expect anyone to be great coming off the bench. I know, but yeah, like, he's, 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 he did prove himself when he was at Rovers. I think. But, yeah, you had about four hundred minutes all season. Yeah. That's eight appearances, most of them off the bench. Like. There's another problem that sticks again. I think is that is it a case with Buckley that his favouritism there that he's certain players just picks and picks regardless of how they form, how they're Sorry. playing. And they get into wrong. That can leave problems inside too. Because you're somebody who's doing brilliant in the training. You know, you come on as a sub and you've changed the game. And next round you realise, oh, your man's playing again. And that can be down well, hard. Fagan hasn't been doing great the past few years. And he just, he sticks on him. He takes a lot of injuries down, yes. doesn't he? Yeah. Well, they can... but him and Forrest used to be good together. But then when Forrest are left, yeah, that combination was not there. And it looked disjointed up front. So that's the other question mark again. That is, they, where's the motivation there? Whereas if you're a manager like Keith Long, he does chop and change the team. And he does freshen up, and if someone's doing around the train, so that's the thing. But you don't see that, and you see that with other teams too. Like, like yeah, man, Stephen Kenny, he's not afraid to mix it as well with the team. Whereas for Pats, you can almost nearly name the lineup before the game kicks off, or before you know it's even come out what the team is. And again, that's a problem down the line because no hunger in the team, no desire. Because if you think, oh, I'm not going to get the game next Saturday or Friday, when am I going to try? Bother. Mm. I said, I'm going to move on to. Um Rovers and Waterford, they drew one all with each other. What do you think of that? I think um, Waterford seemed very, when I heard again, listening back to the radio reports, seemed very lively on the day. They showed a lot of enthusiasm, and I think that Chenesky uh, in the Rovers goal. Chenesky. Chenesky, Apparently, he pulled off some good saves, like I know it, he was. Rovers have him to thank. I noticed that like um, Bradley was saying that towards the end of the game, Rovers had more possession, more flow in their game, but they didn't take their chances and he was disappointed yeah. in that. But it shows again that Ward are able to, are able to soak up pressure and are able to take it on board. And um, that's a good sign for them that they're a solid unit in that respect. And to go to talent and get a draw, even to score for starters, is a, is a good result for them. And uh, they, they are the surprise team of the season. But I said at the start yeah. of the season, given the players they had, if they could utilise them, they do well and they are doing that. And like, it was a proper game of two halves as well. Like, I know that's very cliche, but it really was. Like, Waterford dominated the first half and then, uh, obviously, Stephen Bradley got the team going up, going to the second half. Mm. Rain Brook snatched a header. Um, uh, yeah, but like, Rovers should have probably capitalised at the end of that game and pushed to go 2-1 up. But, uh, Waterford's defence just prevailed, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's back-to-back draws now for Waterford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from last night. 
So last night's results then anyway, Connor. Just uh Um so Bray drew two all Waterford at the Carlisle Grounds and Derry lost four one at home to Dundalk. So it just shows you again between the bottom end of the table and the top. Nothing is concrete at the moment, it's still kind of choppy change, which is good for the league. Yeah, it seems, seems to be very tight. Yeah, because last year Cork and Dundalk just ran away with it quite early on and it was like a two-horse race, at least now. There still is a three-horse race at the moment, so that's grand. Um, that's good to see. Right, so uh, we move on to next week, uh, next Friday's fixtures. Um, Bowser are home to Dundalk. How would you feel that's going to go? Dundalk winning from me. Yeah, I'd say the same. I'd say the same myself. I'm surprised you lost 3 1, to be honest with you. Yeah, I can't see uh, Bowser being able to handle the pressure of Dundalk. I, I, I don't think it's going to be as big as a score to line, though. I think it's only going to be like 1 0 yeah. to Dundalk. Yeah. Um, Bowser have been alright and they seem to hit in the groove, and Dundalk are very strong, though, so I can definitely see them. Can but the defence is still a bit. The win against Derry will have to give them confidence, obviously. <coughs> yeah. When it's yeah. such a triumph, you know. Yeah. Especially like, at the Brandywell. And yeah, all exactly. Yeah. No, I don't think. Bows will cause the defence much trouble later. Mm. And we've been experienced at the back, which has caused us trouble. Recently. That's two penalties so far in the matter of weeks that we've given away, we shouldn't have given away. Mm. So it shows you like against Cork and the last against Bray, two very avoid- avoidable penalties. It's kind of like a, la- a defence that has a lack of experience and an attack that's full of experience going head to head. Only one outcome that can come out with it. Indeed. And then um, Cork are home to Bray. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. Poor Bray. That's, yeah. what I, that's what I think about that. That is going to be an absolute annihilation. Especially after like Cork, it was nil all. And they, um, yeah, nil all against there, yeah. Slam dunk for Cork without a doubt. Would you I not think that um, after Bray drawn 2 all, Watford might give yeah, them a bit of that's what I was saying. But they, they would have probably needed the win to go in with a lot of confidence. Like They they will probably have some. Still, like Watford are beating, beating all the big dogs. So maybe it's. Yeah. So I'm glad they can match with them. Because you see, look, I think Cork are like that when they lose or draw a game previously like a wounded tiger. They lash out. That was at home them. though, that game. True. So like the the last two games they played away, they lost two one to Slough. Well, I just said there's not much of an atmosphere at the Carlisle Grounds. That's fair. Yeah. But they have won a lot at the Carlisle Grounds. Sure. A lot, as in three times. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they lost two one to Sligo in their in their last away game. Cork is going to annihilate them just to know that they're out to prove a point now and they'll do it. And see, you were saying that the Waterford and Bray game was too old. That was at the Carlisle Grounds. But then when Bray travelled to uh, Waterford, it was 3 0 to Waterford. That was, at the, that was the first game of the season, I think, was it? No, 20th of April. All right. A few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. All right. right. We move on. Uh, Pats are home to Derry. Derry for me. I think it, regardless of that um, loss, against Dundalk I think that this will come out and like we've been mentioning a lot of proven points and I think they they won't time for sure that we want to prove a point this weekend um, again Pats are mid-table but they'll be a tricky side like they can't underestimate them I think it's going to be a draw at the moment I just think Derry are playing next to the home but their form has been a bit in a different way there's like two different teams between home and away yeah, and there's no consistency there but I just again, when you look at Pat, you're saying, where's the threat coming from? I just don't see the threat. And so I think it's either going to be a dairy win, but my, my money is that the moment is going to be on a draw. I'm going to say uh, Pat's 1 0. Because at the moment, there is only two points between them in the league. Um, so it's not as much of a deficit as like mm. some people might think. Like I don't think Derry are 
that far ahead of Pats at the moment. Maybe at home they are, but I don't feel like overall they are. Um, and I, got, I, I just have a feeling that Pats will win, even though they're they're terrible up front. <laughs> up top, we're getting goals. I still, I still feel like they'll. Oh yeah, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And they, they're at home as well. Right, and then uh, Limerick have a tough one. They're travelling away to Watford. Yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to say Watford 2 1 for that. I'd say 2 0 Watford. I just think there's, again, so inexperienced Limerick team. The defence just is not able to play against teams that have sustained pressure. And that's what Watford do. They have a high tempo game. They At home, they just put the pressure on teams. And I can just see Limerick crumbling. I think the uh, same as you had in two one win for Waterford. I think that um well Waterford will hopefully hope that that two all draw during the week against Bray won't like be too much of a burden on their minds when going in because uh, uh Limerick are obviously a tough enough side like yeah. so I'd say two Waterford. Um, two 0 Waterford. Yeah, same as Heffo. Just I can't see Limerick putting up mm. to them. Right, and then um, match at the showground Sligo are playing Shamrock Rovers you know, I have a feeling as well that uh, Sligo will top Shamrock Rovers in that game they haven't really been doing that they have four wins so far this season uh, Sligo it depends on tonight as well doesn't it against Pats like whether they'll come out with the win and then have confidence going in this weekend So exactly like so far it isn't at all in that game as we're yeah. recording <clears throat> um, yeah like and, and we all know about like Sean Grover's troubles and mm. with their consistency this season yeah. so like if, if Sligo can pinpoint their problems in Sligo in a Sean Grover's defence they should be able to do something I mean there was talk the other day on uh, Saturday Spawn RT again I think Shaw I'm sorry like, uh, Graham Burke there's talk that he won't be available for that game because he's been in the Ireland squad so the Rovers want him for the game, but they're saying well he's in the squad now. You know that's it. Like so, he is only in the provisional squad though. So I understand that too. But there's still questions over whether he'd be released or not because the talk is that they want to keep as much players yeah. for the three games or at least start to get him have him on as well. So that'll be something. But Daniel Carr, I just I mean, he's, for them obviously I don't really rate him as, as well. Like you know, he's, that's the problem. Like without. Um, Pork there, it's going to be a problem with front with them yeah. they're not really getting goals from elsewhere. But the other hand, though, what can also happen as well is if that player is missing, the other players are aware of that and it can make them pull up their stocks a bit more, realizing God, look, we haven't got this guy to fall back on now, we'll have to be a bit sharper. So it could be a good thing in or some respects. It could make them lose confidence. And well, Brady's manager, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, that could well happen. I tell you that much, you know. well, so, well, Hopefully, uh, good old Paddy McLean, you know. He'll, he'll, he'll do the job. Mm. What do you think of uh, Graham Burke so far this season? He like he's got oh, his first national call. He's the only player from the League of Ireland to get a call up to the national squad. Um, he has ten goals and seven in appearances so far for Shamrock Rovers. It's good to see that they're finally looking in. Uh, they had a chance last year with Shawnee McGuire. They did take it, obviously. Uh, but that was kind of when, was he, was, the when he was leaving for Preston. But it's good to see that they're directly looking right into the league of Ireland. So. Yeah. Well, I don't think he'll actually play in any of the matches, though. Yeah, me either. I think it'll be more like an experience kind of thing. Yeah. Mere tokenism. They did that in the 90s. 
Because I know a few they've players. They've done it recently as well. You know, they're doing, they used to do it. Like back in Jack Charlton and the end of the round, he did that where a, total, a League of Ireland player brought in, yeah. trained the squad, in the extended he, squad. He did it with Gary Rogers before as well, didn't he? Yeah, did it last season. But yeah, he was the first goalkeeper, which is good yeah. because some of the other goalkeepers were injured. But again, in this case, it's, uh, unfortunately, it is just tokenism in a way that just put it in there. Just to, you know, but it's not. The player should be there on merit, but they're not picking him on merit, if you know what I mean. And that's the problem that he's not. He's going to get a fair look in. I'm not so sure he is. And like, you know, that's the, it's been like that all, all, all through since I've been a nipper. That players like that who've done well in Ireland or did well in lower leagues in England and the week after they get signed to a premiership side suddenly Happy Jeff Kenna he was at Southampton played like great for them for like donkeys and then he suddenly signs for Blackburn next of all just called up the Ireland squad you know these things can happen so that's the only thing with me it's a bit of a rotation in that respect that you know I'd I'd like to see him get a proper look in but I'm not so sure he will though I don't think he's really been called up on merit though like, I don't think they're just having him there for the sake of it. Like, he is playing... He, he, is, he is playing really well, though. He is, dude. But at is, the same right. time, I think the other strikers who are in their squad have that little bit more experience, have that little bit more, like, uh, consistency so far this season. Yeah, uh, but... Where they, I, I know, I'm not saying he's inconsistent, but I mean, like, uh, that prolific list on the front of At the highest level as well. Yeah, like, so. like you think of, like, Shani Maguire and Scott Hogan, like, yeah. John Walters and Shane... Uh, Shane Long had scored that many goals this season, though. Shane Long, yeah, fair enough. But well, then it's like the experience. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yes, but, yeah, but but then again, like if you're, I suppose, like down the line, if you're to play against uh, Macedonia or play against Lithuania, you want somebody who's actually scored a few goals mm-hmm. and has like, a bit of confidence in front of the goal. Times like that is when you need somebody. I know, fair enough. Shane Long scored a goal against Germany. That's when the experience comes in. The last moment, right moment, he took on the chance. But in this case as well, though, I think we need to. I think it's good that we're broadening our options. I think we, you know, I think we should do more of that, and it shouldn't just say just be mere tokenism. Let's get people in, have a good look at them, and see how things before they pan out. You know, that. So hopefully that'll be the case. You know that they will give other players a look in based on their form. And there's a few other players in the squad as well. Um, like sort of Conor O'Malley getting his first call up. Yeah, there is a lot of players who did get their first calls up. Calls up. Did get their first call ups. <laughs> they get their first call-ups to the uh, to the squad. There's a few um, there's a few that kind of stood out for me here. Uh, Colin Doyle of uh, Bradford City, Kieran O'Hara of Manchester United, Ian Lawler. Uh, and Doyle's been in a few squads though. Doyle played against. Uh, He's been a number of squads as well. He played that much. I'm just saying, like, there's a few like standouts. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying like first call-ups. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm saying like. There is a but it's good that he's getting his game now because he's been preparing him and other things for all that. He didn't get a look in, he was just on the bench. But at least he's getting his game now and showing show something for himself, you know. It is exciting though about Conor O'Malley. Yeah. Like, where did he start off? Pats. That's, that's just class. He's seen him a few times with Pats, haven't he? Yeah. yeah. It's good. He's very good at Pats, actually. Um, Who's he with now? People, right? Very good. I don't, I don't think he's starting though. But uh, well, it's good to see him in the squad, anyway. I think. Um, People were speaking of Peterborough. What story of Forrester? I mean, the manager said he's taking a risk. If he's going to sell him, like, that'd be a problem for Peterborough. Like, yeah, and he, is, he's, he's, he captained them for a while, didn't he? And yeah, um, I think it was, yeah, that's it. But the manager's saying he's getting rid of 11 players. He wants to freshen the team up for next season. But he said, it's, 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 it's weird to actually admit he's taking a gamble. No, he's proven himself for Peterborough, and it's, just, it's a bit of a joke, I think. Well, hopefully, you have a few quality suitors and might get a team of better. <laughs> Anyways, um, he has had a 
What's it? Connor Malley has, has played 14 games this season. Oh, has he? Yeah. He's only played nine in the League One, though. And have you cup matches and stuff? Yeah, he's it? played in three different cups. So, uh, he, he, he is, he is, he's only young as well. Yeah, isn't he? he's kind of last time. How old is he? 23, I think, is he? Uh, 23, yeah. It's decent. Uh, a few more standouts are uh, Declan Rice after his performance against Manchester United. It was just unbelievable. But uh, yeah, he's a standout in defence. And obviously, John O'Shea is a big standout as well. They're reliable. What a man. But I've noticed as well that there's a lot of um, Preston North End players. They had five of the first team getting called up, including uh, defender Greg Cunningham. Uh, Callum Robinson's getting his first call up as well, isn't he? Yeah, striker, yeah. Yeah, that's oh, it. That's that's deadly. Him and Sean McGuire getting yeah. called up together, like they, they seem to play well together at present. So they've got a little bit of chemistry there together. So then, obviously, if you have Brown in the centre, then and Robinson and McGuire up front, you know. and then hopefully Daryl Horgan out on the wing. Yeah, did Brown get a show? Yeah, he's uh, he got called up as well. Yeah, so uh, him, Connor Hurahan, uh, Daryl Horgan are the main standouts that highlighted there for the midfield. Yeah. And obviously, Glenn Whelan. How do you think? Do you think he deserved a call up to the squad? No, no. He's should, he should just. When you really think about Ireland having an abundance amount of midfielders and yeah. every year. Why are you saying there? For anything, he does get called up. Yeah. Um, like these are the times when you're meant to uh, try out these type players. Uh, like you listed a couple from uh, Preston alone. Yeah. That could easily just be played for this game coming exactly. up. Uh, the fourth game against Celtic, is it? Yeah, against Celtic on the 20th. Yeah, so like. Maybe it's like. Um, I think for like Glenn Wayne and maybe bound out. Yeah, I don't think he has much. Out. He's what, bringing him in to get rid of him. Kind of thirty five or something is he? Thirty six. Yeah, something like that. Too old. You know, the key key for me is he's lost a half a yard. Did he want to have? Did he, had, did he ever have a yard? He would. He did. I remember a few games against Georgia. We played that one. That was moved to Germany. That time he scored the free kick, but he was buzzing on the day and he was using the ball. He was getting in the heart of action. He was making tackles. He was making his he presence used, felt. He used, to, he, used to be, he used to be really good, I think. Yeah, make his presence felt. No, he isn't. Like when you have a situation where you're on the counter-attack, you need players there. to a defender loops the ball down. You don't want the ball in the Benomans. You want some bit of speed who can get onto it. You don't want so the ball end up with Glenn Whelan. Yeah, exactly. he's not going to end up with him because he's just so, like he's not he hasn't got that say, he hasn't got the pace he used to have anywhere either so that's really the thing about it actually he, uh, wasn't, he wasn't he, he wasn't known for pace quick, but he, he got around like he, he was but he had an engine really yeah. that was it and like, he went the ball he back like, he lost the ball field, but like other than that like he didn't have any passing attributes that's or, exactly it that's what he'd yeah. run around for you all day I think he, he was there he had a nice shot as well he didn't have a nice shot he scored against Italy I think did he what did he score against Italy before yeah, he did also score against Georgia, a cracking free kick against Georgia. But I think with him as well, though, I see he'd win the ball back as well. If you lost on the counter, he lost the ball. But there's plenty of players there who can win the ball back. That's what I mean, but that's, so that's why he was there years ago. But now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just don't think, yeah, you're right, it's just a bit of a small song for him now to have him in. Get set the game and all that and just put the thing. I don't necessarily get it myself, you know? I, I honestly feel like there's a plenty of players who could be going in there instead. Like, I'd like to see, there. Yeah, Callum Ododa isn't there. Him and her had a two of the upcoming players are like. I like uh, Alan George yeah. as well. I think he's a bit of a baller. Yeah. Um, a few players, Yun and Kane off Leeds is a, is a bit of a standout. David Moyler is in there as well after announcing that he's going to be leaving Hull. Mm. Um, I'll be, be snapped up. Some. Oh yeah, I'd say so. Even Premier League side maybe. Ah, no. High, high level championship maybe. No, I was thinking maybe like bottom of the table kind of Premier League stuff. But be good at pressing with him actually. Yeah, that'd actually be How old is he? He's like 31, is he? 20, 20, 29. Obviously, I, 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 I think so, anyway. I'm not too sure. 
So moving on, obviously I've talked a lot about strikers already. Uh, Scott Hogan's in there as well. He obviously started up top with uh, Sean mm-hmm. McGuire in the last game. And he, he missed that. Absolute sir. Yeah. Um, I, I think someone else should be getting in, going in there instead of him. And I can honestly see that, like a definite start would be Sean McGuire. I can see maybe Callum Robinson getting a shout as well. Obviously Shane Long would be in there. Probably uh, Jonathan Walters would be out on the wing maybe. But like there, it does seem like there's a bit of an opening in there for Graham Brook. Like it seems like he does have him in in his plans. Just when you look at the provisional squad here, you look at the line like the way it is. It looks like he is kind of in his plans. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But then coming back to the <clears throat> defense, there is a bit of a contrast there between um, young and old. In particular, with uh, Declan Rice, who had a unbelievable performance against Manchester United last Thursday, I think it was. Um. Like he's only nineteen, and he's been playing at centre half the majority of the games for West Ham. But then Martin O'Neill was playing him kind of in that central defensive kind of midfield role. Uh, he did finish that United game with 92% pass accuracy. Uh, he has matured a lot since his uh, since his mistake against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it, the, yeah, the contrast there, like I can with John O'Shea being in there, he's obviously bowing out. And it's kind of like out with the old, in with the new. Um, seems as John O'Shea is retiring. His last game for Ireland will be against the United States on the 2nd of June. So he has a uh, three more games for Ireland. He has Celtic, United States, oh, Celtic, France, and the United States. Um, so I just thought I'd ask you: What have you? Like, what's your kind of favourite moments or favourite memories from John O'Shea across the board? Um, one that really stands out for me is obviously that nutmeg uh, uh, against Luis Figo. Uh, so iconic. Um, yeah, that's the one that sticks out for me. Boy, I think it was a bit of a fluke, to be honest. But uh, don't be sure. saying that now. It did look like he meant it, though. When you see the little clip, he was running at him and then he just popped it between his legs real quick. Like, it was sick. I don't know. Uh, at least he can say that, though, once he finishes up, you know. Yeah. I've done that to one of the greatest yeah, players. Many other Irish players have done that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, me, it had to be getting the goal against Germany in extra, extra time. It was a pivotal moment of the match, and it just... It was a, a great, uh, decisive result in us getting to the Euros in the end. I mean, the guy, okay, look, he blows hot and cold. A lot of games, he's just be absent. He's invisible for Ireland. Is this? Uh, John O'Shea. We're actually celebrating him here, believe it or not. Yeah, well, I'm just being stated <laughs> with the fact. But, look, he's been there a long time. And uh, so, you know, best of luck to him in the future, whatever else he has to do. And I say thanks for getting that goal against Germany. That was such a huge, hugely emotional moment. Remember, remember when that happened? Cried like a baby. <laughs> Cried like such a baby. I really did. Uh, my one has to be the fact that he played in every single position for United, from mm. keeper to striker, and it's just he always, always got called as well. He was a real everyman for Manchester United. Like, and when he, I remember when I'd be watching Man United play, Fergie seemed to have so much confidence in him. And at the time, he'd be kind of like, "Why? Like, I don't understand what the thing is yeah, about seemed, John O'Shea." He seemed, he seemed like a really clumsy player. Or yeah, didn't he, he did. And it was just, but, Obviously, Fergie, like if Fergie is seeing something when he's playing, he's playing him in every single position. Obviously, he is one of the greats. Champions League winner as well. Exactly. Um, my favourite memory of John O'Shea was during the 2006-2007 season when um, I believe it was Van der Sar got sent off against Spurs and we had to bring John O'Shea on for like the last 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, the last 20 minutes of the game. I remember afterwards in an interview he was talking about, I think it was with BBC, John O'Shea was saying that... Uh, he used to play in goal for his Gaelic side, like when he played Gaelic football. That was his only experience. Yeah, it was his only, his only experience. <laughs> so, yeah, he I, did I well, didn't he? He did well in that match. 
I don't think he made a save, but... <laughs> sure he didn't enough. take a penalty like uh, no, no quid once there for Manchester City. Did he not come out and punch across? Or something? He did, yeah, he came out and punched across. <laughs> and there was a, another time where the ball kind of trickled back to him as well. But I remember at the time being like, Jesus, this is rope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's that's just John O'Shea in a nutshell. He'd do anything for whatever team he played for and he was a real loyal servant to whatever where, wherever he was and whatever he was doing. Um, yeah, he will actually be missed. Anyways, the big talking point this week regarding the international football, without a doubt, was the amazing performances of our other 17 side who got to the quarterfinals of the European Championships to find the odds beating, obviously, some quality opposition. I mean, they went eight games undefeated in the qualifiers, which is just a phenomenal achievement, which got them a high seeding into the, into the tournament itself. And the Dutch are one of the favourites to win this competition with just the players, the who's who of future Dutch stars, you know, and their players that are highly coveted by Feyenoord and PSV Eindhoven and also Man Redan who plays for Chelsea yeah. and to get that result the other night last night I should say was just fantastic the tactics worked out pretty well each player on that team played out their skin each one to a man just gave it everything and that's and I think it's unfortunate the way it ended but I think that they went down high without a doubt and I think like some of the players in that, in that squad are, if they keep going the way they are it's going to look very promising for the senior side in a couple of years time but we've mentioned Troy Power before, and he really is unbelievable. And the fact that he's he's a year younger as well, and than the under seventeen as well, so he's eligible next year as well. Did you see the game last night? Yeah, the, the goal was quality. Oh, no, it, it was just the the confidence and the maturity yeah, the of that player. Balkan came into him in yeah. the air and he touched it to uh, the centre mid around past yeah. him, and then he touched it back and just. Did it was just to have the, the at that age that the the expertise in itself, and to have the know how and the, to do that. And he's from town. Yeah, and and it's the north inner city as well. Whether else I say that as well. But he, he has scored a lot as well. He's well yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, that's a second free kick he scored that just been absolutely. Run the free kicks. No, no, not last night. Like there was a, I think it was against Bosnia. Yeah. Or no, it was Turkey. He scored an absolute peach of a free. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was kind of reminiscent of when the, he scored the, that. The Toki, the Toki was in the qualifiers. And that was, well, that was a friendly match actually in Galway. But still, it was good though. Yeah, it was great goal. Well, goal, yeah. And the, the, yeah. He's just definitely all-rounder. Mm-hmm. And I think Spores are lucky to have him on their books and I think yeah. he's going to do well now in the years to come. I honestly think Troy Parr is going to be the next Roy Kane. I could see him, if he's continuing the form he is, He's gonna be a whopper goal scorer. He's, he's more creative though as well. He has he has a bit more in his locker. Right? Looks like yeah. he's, he's more he's more of a forward thinking player. Yeah. Say like a Roy Kane. What right. I love about him and it's a lot of forwards don't do this to, these days is he can create his own chances. Yeah. So a lot of good strikers out there, but they need the ball to be in the right, someone else to play the ball in that yeah, right spot. Roy Kane was kind of just he was just there. You mean Robbie Kane? You mean? Robbie Kane. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, creating your own chances where right? yeah, someone like Rooney. Or something like that for other players. If the ball is, or Dwight York was like that for years. If someone played the perfect pass, he'd score. But Troy Power is the player to play the perfect pass. He can play. He can play himself passes. Yeah, yeah and he can also create chances for himself. We've seen that numerous times in qualifiers and all that. Some of the goals he scored are just brilliant. Again, that's another uh, thing that's just very promising. And the goalkeepers too. I mean, some of the goalkeepers coming up at underage level again are very high standard. So. I want to grab you just this, just as you mentioned the keeper. We obviously have to address what happened towards the end of the game. So do you want to tell us? I think that, uh, well... Well, what happened? Well, basically, I think that the, the, the keeper got sent a yellow, second yellow card. The first yellow card, he got a free yellow card first off for time-wasting, which wasn't time-wasting, because it was a free kick, and the keeper just went up to get the ball, obviously to take the free kick. Right. And then he got a second yellow card because he was off his line. When? 
at the penalty shootout. Yeah. So what score was it? One all going into. Yeah, the, that was actually uh, four all, and the last penalty was to go to. It was hardly four. Yeah, all it was one all at the end of the match. Sorry, at the end of the match. Yeah, sorry, four all the penalty shootout. Sorry. And uh, you said he was off his line. Yes. But I, that like uh, his foot. His foot was actually on the line. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. His foot was on the line. Yeah. Well, I can see where the referee was coming from. Like, to sympathise with the ref, it's such yeah. a hard call to make. Because apparently, apparently, see the Dutch keeper. He he apparently he moved off his line early twice, and um, he was only warned. Why did he get yellow card? There wasn't even a retake or anything. The way it was with the, the like, when I actually first watched that, I didn't even think of that whole notion of foot on the line. Yeah. What I first thought was is because he celebrated the save. Yeah. And I, uh, I thought, he, I thought he, or something to that effect. Though, did he take his shirt off? So that's what I initially thought, but obviously it wasn't the case. Yeah. You it see, keepers do it all the time as well. Yeah. It's not... It was such a confusing dilemma to happen towards the end of the game, and obviously we didn't see Martin O'Neill have his say in it going up to the referee rightfully so a bit furious didn't he yeah but like like he was probably just as confused as the keeper uh, James uh, Cockhorn yeah like we all just uh, anyone that was watching were just in fury even, even the pundits on RTE talking about clue yeah they were going oh, yeah, no the King was were going mad <laughs> he didn't, know, he didn't really know what was going on no King was going mental over like, but it was great as well that 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 Martin was straight onto the pitch at the final uh, at the final whistle and was out talking to the players and, and that was a good boost to them to know he was there. Yeah. I think that's an important thing that he did that because I've often seen other matches like Gareth Southgate could be at a match and he'd be taking notes, but he'd walk off five ten minutes before the end of the game at times. Whereas he was there, came onto the pitch and he remonstrated and that was good. That was a good thing with him too to be there. It was a good to see the working. It was good to see the emotion from the not Yeah, of course. Yeah, he knew what was going on too. It was, it was absolutely good. ridiculous. Nice yeah, how how it affected them? Like obviously, it meant a lot to them. And like, but the problem you see again, I suppose, is it's the rules of the rules. It's like, for example, when sometimes you see people say, "No, that was a soft penalty." And the journal judges say, "Contact is contact." You know, in this case too, again, it just I can't understand as you were saying earlier. Why was the Dutch keeper twice given a warning? He did it a second time. He didn't get a yellow. He does it once, and he gets a yellow and sent off. Again, it's the favoritism of the big nations. Like you were saying there that they're that Holland are favourites to win the competition and you can see why because it's clearly a fix to make Holland win the competition. Because when the bigger nations are in there's more people watching the on the telly. No, like it's like when you're when you're watching that and like they're the up and coming stars for our country. Like you could you could easily see why it'd be so disheartened to even want to play for your country anymore. There was a moment during the match, I think um the left back off Ireland, Cameron Edwards, he was running back into position and I think a Dutch player stepped across him. And he bumped into him like, and um, the ref started giving out to Cameron Ledwich, but he didn't do anything. So maybe, maybe there could be a fix. But well, I think it's uh, talking that team. What I hope now is right. Corcoran is with Cherry Orchard, and there's still some players who are still playing. He wasn't forced choice. choice. I know he wasn't. Uh, no, you have to feel it from It was heartbreaking. He was crying there. Of course, it was just dreadful. Derek's. But. Some of the players were are, are with like low, are still with teams in Ireland. The clubs are they're hoping that only the two keepers. Is that all? No, yeah. there's, there's some other players. You know, some of the like there's Pats that are some players previously to that. In some of the previous qualifiers, it was a great performance from the lads. It's looking bright for the future, and long may continue. And fair play to the uh, yeah. Ireland gaffer Colin Smith. He's done a great job with the lads, and he was so calm and composed at the end of it. In his rationale and talking about them, he you know he has the team in a very good shape. Like, let's not dwell too much on what happened because they have performed brilliantly. Really I mean, to win eight qualifiers unbeaten, I mean, that's just amazing. Still, a lot of players are still eligible for next year as well, so 
Det må inte jag säga. Så next we move on then as far as to the English Premier League. Um, the uh, fact that Manchester City have broken the ton mark. They've got over 100 points in a single season. And unfortunately you can't show the money can't buy the league. And uh, like the, the, again it shows they spent a record amount of money on defenders pre-season. But there's your answer. They have, they, like, but they have broken records all, records all season. There's uh, seven records here that I have. Um, they've broken Chelsea's previous record of 95 points by getting 100, obviously. Um, they also have the most wins ever in Premier League history with 32, beating Chelsea's of 30 wins in the 16-17 season. They have the most goals ever in the Premier League season. Uh, actually, look at this here. They've actually beaten most of Chelsea's records. Um, they have the most goals ever in the Premier League season. They have 106 beating Chelsea's of 103 in the 09-10 season. They have the most away wins with 16 in a season, beating Chelsea's of 15 in the 04-05 season. Uh, they have the biggest positive goal difference as well. So they have, they have a <laughs> plus 79 goal difference, which is uh, that bet Chelsea's of the 09-10 season of 71. Um, and they have also have the biggest title winning margin of 19 points, which bet Manchester United... Manchester United's record of 18 points in the 09 10 Did you mention that they had, um, they actually got the most points? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're looking at the Man City team right now, and in some ways, you look at, say, you talk about you know, you can always say, oh, they need to improve here, they need to improve there. But you look at City, and it's just you now, I know there's the monkey of the Champions League is still on their back, they haven't got to the final of that, fair enough. But in regards to the league, you just look at their, look at their other team. There's just so many quality players in there that you just can't say, oh yeah, they could do a bit of improvement here, a bit of improvement there. It's just all over the pitch. Well, I think they can improve their offence, but... Mm. They are, they're fantastic, though, aren't they? Like, uh, Phil Fodden has become the youngest player to ever receive a Premier League medal. He's only 17. He's a Premier League medal. Uh, I thought he wasn't going to get it, because he had made only a certain amount of appearances. Yeah, yeah, he had to have one more on the and, last day. Yeah. And the se- in the second last game, he left him on the bench and didn't bring him on at all. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh God, he's not going to do this to him, is he Guardiola? Then the last day, really would have. Um, yeah, so what a season! They they fully deserved. Like it is fully deserved. They they're nineteen points ahead of United. That just shows how far ahead of every single yeah, other team they are. Yeah, they really are. But as the season's drawn to a close again, they got second place, and you would you'd hardly think in some way some of the some of the United fans are going on. That's that still is a very good performance to get second place. It's where they were eighth or ninth at the table. There's something going on. But I know. Still have the FA Cup final as well. Yeah, I mean, I know people can give out about the tactics and all that Reno uses, but it's working, by and large. It's not working. It's not working. But the second at the table. Do, like, if you're, what's the point in finishing second? There's no difference between finishing second and finishing fifth. Like, For second... Prize money. Champions League football. But you, you know you don't need prize money. And you get Champions League Champions football. They do actually all the Glazers. They went the money there, salting away in death. You said fifth. Death payments. Yeah, I just said fifth. Ah, you're not So, right. like, yeah. but like yeah. to finish 19 points behind City, like, clearly it isn't working. Because, like, United aren't a team to finish second. United have never been a team to finish second in Premier League. They're a team to win every single year. Mm. So what do you do yeah. then? What, what do you do then? Like, how do you... So, like... Is you saying now that you they need new manager after September? No, no, we don't. Absolutely not. Like the tactics have evolved with other teams in the Premier League, and Mourinho is just the same manager he has been since he was with Porto. He's just mm-hmm. this negative defend, ne- negative defensive coach who uh, scores from the break. But like everything is done through negative football. So, 
and tr- and City playing a complete opposite way where everything is just attack pile men forward and numbers get everyone forward see like get everyone involved kind of thing like make sure everyone gets a touch so like and that's kind of the way everyone is playing in the Premier League as well when you watch uh, you can, our, you our the best the players that United have though like, to you know you have some of the best players in the Premier League like, you can't expect uh, Chris Mall and Phil Jones to play out from the back I agree yeah. but you can expect Eric Boye to play out from the back He's a, he's like he's the best centre back in United play. Have, and I, like he, he he hasn't even been playing him. Yeah, but what I can't like, what I, the worst thing is sorry, one sec. The worst thing about that is uh he, he wasn't playing him and he wasn't even injured. And Mourinho just wasn't playing him because uh other players were in the were in the World Cup or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it is. But he was playing other players who were in the World Cup ahead of Eric Boy. Yeah. But like Alexi Sanchez isn't in the World Cup. Yeah, but I find as well though, with like you had right okay, you've not just brought that McCarrion and you had Pogba. Quality attacking players who have a great set of attacking skills and he's neutering them. And he's not using them to the best of their abilities and they're people that can change again. And I'm just thinking why are you buying these players? You know, that's their forte. What's the point? It's just ridiculous because it's a waste of money. If you're not going to play them, they're not defensive-minded players. McCarron, as we've seen, and same with Sanchez now, they're not type players that wait four or five seconds on the ball, see if someone's free. They want to get the ball and run down the wing, not make a defender, whipping across. And they just look lost in at sea, you know, did you know? And I just think, why, again, is it, why, is it, and the question is, again, is Mourinho signing those players, or is it people, or are you He did above? say he had nothing to do with the Lexi Sanchez transfer. Because it's a bit like, I suppose, in a way, like your man, what was his name? Shevchenko going to Chelsea that time. Yeah. He didn't want them either. He looked totally out of sorts in that team. That happens a lot with what Chelsea do. A few G's. I know, yeah, but this is another another example of that yeah, was with yeah, the yeah. signing of it. And Sanchez as well. He hasn't been great. Since, nah, he hasn't. Since he signed. But but then but then has he been utilized to his strengths? Yeah. That's the problem. I don't think he has. I don't think he has either. He should, no, I think he's frustrated. He keeps dropping deep in matches mm-hmm. and just because the guy work. here has got a burst of energy. He's somebody who has pace and it's inside him. And he's standing there going, Jesus, I could run down this ring, but I can't because the manager is going to give up crap to That's probably why Alexi, oh, not like, uh, Ashley Young has been very successful under Jose Mourinho as well. Like Under Fergie towards like, the end of Fergie's reign and under uh, Louis van Gaal and David Moyes, he wasn't really getting a look in. But because of the way Jose Mourinho plays, he plays him at left back and he's a very defensive man. That's obviously why Ashley Young is having the best season of his life at Manchester United because he does play from the back out. That's part obviously why Ashley Young's out there. He's out there getting a call up to the English team. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, I don't know what, I, I have no idea what United are going to do moving forward because I can really see City dominating for years to come. Especially breaking seven records in the one season. Well, one of the problems that's going to persist is when the financial fair play rules are being bent and FIFA, UEFA have so many loopholes in that and are turning blind eyes to blatant uh, infringements of that rule. You're right there and that's one of the big problems. That we need to, you know, we need to just. That's unfortunate, and it's not a level playing field. Anyways, well, shall we move on to uh, Salah? Yep. Yep. So, what's the story with him? Like, he's just uh, yep. taking awards left, right, and centre. Yeah, this season he has um, 34 individual awards in the Premier League, and not even just in the Premier League, like overall. I read them out. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, individual awards as well. So, I'll read them out to you. Just bear with me for a second here, lads. Uh, so he's won Champions League Player of the Week three times, Champions League Goal of the Week twice, Premier League Player of the Month three times, 
PFA Player of the Month four times, Liverpool Player of the Month seven times, Liverpool Goal of the Month six times, PFA Player of the Year, Premier League Player of the Year, African Footballer of the Year, uh, FWA Footballer of the Year, BBC Africa Footballer of the Year, Arab Footballer of the Year, PFA Team of the Year, Liverpool Players Player of the Season, Liverpool Player of the Season, and the Premier League Golden Boot. He broke the record for most <laughs> for most goals in a single season of the Premier League. Uh, he bet four seasons. No, just in general. Just yeah, in general. He, he scored thirty-two goals or three, three, thirty-two goals. He scored thirty-two goals. So he bet Alan Shearer and Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, the likes of them. Uh, what a player! What a and player. what was the thing with him in the, the Egyptian election or something? Oh yeah, he uh, he got like. 2.5% of the votes in the Egyptian election which was like 4% more than the nearest candidate or something like that so he's had a better year than C. oh the hell could he be 4% more yeah, than 0.4 0.4% more ok Sorry. Yeah, but I found um, with him as, as I said before the nickname for him with the Egyptian team is past the sun. I'm sure if uh, if Liverpool win the Champions League and he goes on to be a candidate or even win the Ballon d'Or course be an even better season along with them accolades that you mentioned that he achieved this season and uh, so it's still yet to see how the season ends I'd love to see how, he get, how he's, how he's going to go on next season like to win all these awards in the one season yeah that's it it's going to be a lot of pressure again you exactly know? Like, but I don't know he doesn't seem like the sort of player who'd be a one, one, uh, one season wonder the last mm. episode I said he was 28 but he's only a 25 or 26 so mm. he's only he's not even at his peak yet in his career. Yeah. Uh, this might be the beginning of it, maybe. This might be the beginning. When we look at Salah, I also think for him, De Bruyne. You wonder if you down the road how many more ex-Chelsea players that Chelsea stupidly let go are gonna come back to haunt them. You know, it's unreal. Like the amount of players they've had, had. Mm. and it's just you just wonder what's the story here. Like, it's just what is the other eight set up there? They're having these gems and you're letting them go. There's something obviously wrong there. I need to obviously root and branch check with Chelsea or that. So folks, who do you think will be the next Arsenal manager? And uh, what do you think now is a bit, I don't know, hypocritical of Arsenal fans now saying all this great lauding of Wenger. And look at the amount of banners now they had there on Twitter and all that up till you resign saying, get out here, we hate you. And uh, you know, it's a, bit, it's a bit cheesy and sickly to see that now. That is if all that stuff that happened the past few years, trying to whitewash it, as if, oh, we loved him all along. Yeah, right. So, Julian Nagelsmann was favourite to become the next Arsenal manager. He is Hoffenheim's current manager. But the Hoffenheim director of football came out and said that he will 100% be with Hoffenheim next season. So it has emerged that um, Mikel Arteta is the favourite to become the next Arsenal manager. How do you, if, if he does get it, I just think he should get it. What do you think? No, I don't think he hasn't. He, I don't think he's really proven enough to manage at that high of a level. Um, so yeah, he, he's a good coach, like a Man City, but I think he needs to stay there for a while and get a bit more experience. Do you think it's maybe the right time? No, not for a club as big as Arsenal. Like, mm. if if someone comes in and doesn't start like playing a lot better than Wenger did, I'd say he'd be gone like, straight away. Very soon. Yeah. What about you, Sean? I don't know. Um, it's it's a weird situation. It's even more. It's more compelling than the old Chelsea dilemma that they are having with their manager. Like, uh, obviously after the twenty-two years that Wenger's uh, served at Arsenal, it, they're gonna want um, someone to not replicate, but maybe like achieve more than what he's done. And like, 
you're getting like all sorts of managers around the world like uh, Diego Simeone he's been one that's been linked with the Milan and then it goes down to the likes like Arteta so like I find it I find it a really strange um, whole process of who they're going to pick because you have as well Liverpool's coach was in the mix as well so mm. they're going from everyone and then Eddie Howe is uh, getting thrown yeah. as well so it's just it could go anyway. I really don't know who it's going to go after. Juve's boss as well. Allegri. Allegri, is it? Yeah, yeah. So, like, it, I don't know. I look forward to, though, to see who it is going to go after. It is really exciting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what I think, though, when you hear you're saying with your man from the chairman of and saying your man's not going now, what that generally means is, uh, lads, you have to add another zero onto the compensation clause. And then, yeah. That's genuine. Now, let's be honest. That's what it means today. Is there's never a case now where players are definitely not going. We've seen that numerous times the last few years. They said, "Oh no, he's untouchable." It's like, "Oh, sorry, how much?" Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah grand. Yeah, send the check over to us. And be, yeah, time to get get that private jet on the time right now. That's just the way it goes. And for that's the way football talks and money and all that. How things for the panel. And I think when Arsenal, yeah, I know. I tell you, he's not proven. I think it's a massive gamble on their part. And the squad that they have, and they need to rejuvenate, or you know, and they don't have the money at the moment to do that. Go to Man City or Barcelona can do. So they have they have to stick with the bulk of the squad they have at the moment. And Arteta's just not that person there. So you need someone with a proper bit of experience and knows the, the run of the game. I mean, there was some talk of your man, um, what was his name, Ancelotti, but they said nah, he'll cost too much money. The Arsenal won't be prepared to pay that. Mm. So he's the I mean, he's one guy that's free. At the moment, who could do that? So, time will tell, you know. So, shall we move on then to talk about to the world news section and start off with some interesting transfers that are doing the rounds? Who wants to lead on that? Obviously, the half favourite, or not half favourite, obviously, look, there's a, a big one about Nabil Fakir. Um, apparently, he has a not a great, but he's, he's linked heavily with Liverpool right now. He's just unbelievable looking after, after this link. And he, he's the captain of. Uh, Leon and he has been for a couple of years now he's only 24 um, 60 million pound to Liverpool it does seem like a bit of a steal considering he is the captain he's a bit of a creative midfielder he's, he's small and he's nippy uh, he has good free kick on him as well yeah, uh, sure. he's both footed too that, that was the case with um, Sacco Sacco was the captain of PSG and uh, Liverpool signed him and then what happened there oh, but he's been great oh, he's been unbelievable hasn't he in my opinion, I think that it's not the right player that Liverpool should really be going after. I think that um, they should probably go for a kind of all-round midfielder, particularly a deep one. Uh, so obviously Naby Keita is going to come in uh, for that midfield role and I don't know if that's Klopp's way of addressing that issue where they're going to need it. Because obviously Henderson and everyone uh, who we have at the moment with Chan going, yeah. you kind of need a new midfielder. But... Uh, I'm kind of going away from Fekker. Um I think he's a good player from what I've seen of him uh, I think that uh, 60 million to, I've kind of read reports up to 75 million I, I think that's kind of a lot of money for a guy of his calibre but he's, he's remained to be seen so maybe uh, he will solidify a place in Liverpool if they do buy him and mm. he'll be playing various different positions. Probably don't even really need another goal scoring trip. Like he scored um, 23 goals this season for yeah. the That's probably the last team. Maybe someone to like back up Mane, Salah, and Reina or Fulham gets injured. It's kind of like imagine if like Coutinho was in that <clears> squad. 
Like, yeah. he's that's kind of the same kind of player that he is he's very like a team yeah. so he could like less sell it and all work less so that he could score more mm. and create mm. more going forward also assists I mean if he's going to be able to give a lot of assists happy days mm. that's one thing as well they were probably very good in that department but the more the merrier and that's one thing you know that, that, that as I say if that counter goes up that's going to be great for them next season so, you know so that's the thing because you want to have somebody again if they're playing against a Burnley they're playing against uh, someone like that and they're not playing too well, they're a bit laboured and it's nil all, it's 17 minutes gone. You want to have somebody who can swing off the bench who suddenly can just liven up a game and, as I say, take a bit of scruff of the neck and win the game of their own. And if he's that type of player, well, in this day and age, 60 million is nothing. Let's be honest. If it's going to win your games, it's going to give you that extra 10 or 12 points that will get you that, could eventually win you the league. Well, happy days. Yeah. But um, So, what about Toby Alderwood? What's the story with him? So, to- Toby Alderweireld, he's been linked to Manchester United. Apparently, Jose Mourinho wants him to slot into Yeah, they're the favourites. That's a good one. There's a couple of clubs. Barcelona have one as well. Yeah. But, uh, he's, he's been linked to Barcelona for a few seasons. Yeah, now, he has, think. yeah. And uh, I think uh, if, if United got him, like, that, would, that would be the answer to his uh, problem, like, you know what I mean, in that kind of area. Him and Boy would be... Because he's have kind of he's have kind of brought in different players in that position in the kind of past two seasons with Lindelof and Boy and uh, it, I think uh, what's his name uh, Blin what's his name Deli Blind yeah what does he play fullback he's kind of like central defensive midfielder or left back he or was playing centre back on the yeah he did try and yeah, that's what I was thinking he, I think all the way out that would be like the best Damn. solution you know what I mean he's, he's top class and uh, it would just increase like he was whole defence you know the, the best thing about him is he's like he's big and he's strong he's fast and he, he's also very nippy and like on the ball as well um, mm. he, do, he does he does like to get a lot a lot of touches on the ball too um, which you know you need that I think it would suit United style kind of thing I mean, we saw that when we lost to the Belgium in the Euros I mean, he literally was really good that time here for Belgium. And he played really well, you know, that he just destroyed us on the day. He was, like, buzzing around the place. We hadn't got an answer to him. Mm. And he just kept pumping balls in. But the question then you're saying about Barcelona, that we're out there, but, like, if... (laughs) If... But if they're going to go for Griezmann, there's not not be much money left in the bank. I mean, he's going to cost a lot of money. So that's... that's, that's, 101 million, apparently. What, how much? 101 million. Yeah, so where's the money going to come from? I I think he will probably go to United if he does, because I just... Can't see uh, Barcelona like buying him if they do think, buy. I think he, he, he might prefer him to United because I think he, he might like Premier League. Just um, there's a money issue at Tottenham. I think they have a wage cap, don't they? They do indeed, yeah. Because yeah, well, and that's one of the problems that the fans give it out because they did that for the building the stadium. We're not saying, yeah. oh, look, the stadium's only built now. What's the time? We're not just lift the cap and get on with it. But they're saying no. We have to make sure that everything. It's been like that for years with the chairman, and that's what's caused the problems at times. But personally speaking, I hope he stays with Spurs and it shows that it's not just money. You know, that it's just that player wants to play the team for the sake of it, right. plays at a and day, a good side. football, you don't get much of that. Unfortunately, but then again, I, I mean, I just it makes me feel so mental when people go, oh yeah, I'm only getting 30 grand a week. Like, <laughs> most people don't even get that in a year. I'm like, it's absolutely ridiculous, you know, that kind of way. So, But now, Griezmann, that'd be a savage signing. Barcelona. Yeah, as I said, yeah, hundred and one million. Uh, that's his, his release clause. Clause is one hundred million, um, and it's t- it's thought that Barcelona are looking are in from kind of this season. 
Yeah. Um, he has had, like, when you think of it, since the Euros in 2016, he has been brilliant for Atletico Madrid, like, in, season in, season out. Um, so far this season, he scored 27 goals in 46 games. And he's just... It's almost inevitable, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, man, if, uh, when you're producing goals like that, yeah. like, of course, like, you know, it were very close as well last year to be getting them, so... It was all, I thought it was a done deal. Yeah, like, I th- so did I. Uh, I don't know, he just had a second change of mind. No, at least he didn't dye his hair red like Morata. <laughs> I think uh, uh, they're almost looking for like, that kind of replacement as well for Suarez, because he's obviously getting on as well, so yeah. they need a new goal scorer, of course. But um, I'm sure he wants to actually do something with his career as well, like actually win stuff. Like, like it's like, I know there's a big pride with playing at Atletico Madrid. They seem to have like a system in there where they're, yeah, where they're, where they're very, they're very proud to represent yeah. that team. But there's, a, there's only so long you can be proud of representing Atletico Madrid without winning anything. And I'm unless sure you're from there, you know. Man. Exactly. Unless you're from there. Um, but yeah. I think that's that like, you know, a lot of players kind of well, struggle. Yeah, but. that's it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, but. I think it's also a fact that when he's with it's so good for Let It Go it's so important he literally plays every game even if he's half fit to kind of throw him in whereas he goes to Barcelona the quality there and he's not 100% fit he won't be you rotate a bit more and his own sense that yeah play, he'll be able to maybe extend his career a bit more because of that fact I don't and know he, he didn't play as many games this season he missed out on 8 games yeah, but it's like, you know, well as injury, was it? Yeah, yeah. But that was the same, but he's fit. Or even if he's three quarters fit, they're still playing. Whereas Barcelona, they'd have the uh, their luxury that they can rest him and stuff like that. And I'm sure at times that can be in the back of a person's mind. So, uh, Shakiri, he's another one who's obviously a transfer talk. I think that he's going to be one of many that are going to be leaving Stoke this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, next season, should I say, yeah. sorry. Uh, uh, I think he'll be following and will be the goalkeeper, Jack Butland. Um, Maybe it'd be a good time for Liverpool. I'd say. Who? Uh, Liverpool are one of the money clubs who've been linked with him over the years. Uh, oh, I'd love to have him. But uh, I, who do you think Shakiri will go? Do you think he'll stay in England? Apparently, like within an hour of when Stoke were relegated from the Premier League, Spurs contacted him oh, wow. about a twelve million release clause, and they're reportedly going to yeah, and they're reportedly going to meet that for twelve million. Staying in there. Yeah. Uh, is he somebody, old? It feels like he's oh, been around. He's not. It's going to be 26. It feels like he's been around. Yeah, he's been with such European big teams. Yeah, Inter, Bayern, and now Stoke. Huge teams. So, yeah, he'll want to be. Mike Atom, he was indisciplined. Like, he's got so many red cards and things like that. And it's just somebody that, he just lacks that bit of professional edge on it, you know, that you need to keep your calm. You need someone in there to get a game with the squad. Yeah, that's a problem though. I mean 12 million fair enough you're like yeah, yeah I I'd take a chance and of course you would you look at red cards and say ah oh, Jesus I don't want him because of red cards like, look at Roy Keane he got sent off like every second every second game <laughs> yeah I understand that too well, saying, the big games like man, the chips are down like you're a sports somebody the last thing you want is you're one all 70 minutes gone against Arsenal he gets sent off well, when, hang on, no, you can't, that's not an argument really at all look at Roy Keane when, when he was playing against Arsenal in that game like 2000, 2002 I think it was with Patrick Vieira like there was constantly battles between him and Patrick Vieira and every game one of them got sent off and they still went on to perform great. There was the 99-2000 Champions League final against Bayern Munich. He got sent off. Oh, he was suspended. Oh, he got sent off in the game before. He got sent yeah. off in the game against I think he was on the yellow card already and he got one in that match. Yeah, yeah that was suspended. Yeah. yeah, but like I'm saying, like it's not really an argument to say that 
Do teams want them because he does get sent off? What I'm saying is he's not as as all round. I say I don't think he's as as people say world class players and all that do that tactic. I personally would not put him in that bracket. Maybe it's because of the team he was in with Stoke though. Like there's not many. Like it was a steal for Stoke again. Quality ball players. But yeah, time will tell. Having twelve million is a steal. Don't get me wrong there, and I think there'd be a hell of a lot of clubs queuing up to try and pinch him. Maybe maybe Pochettino could help him. Calm down, mm. sure. That's if he's there next season, yeah, really. True. But that's just so we'll see how it goes with that. For, so, a bit of a surprise one from left field as the time goes was Rooney being linked to, or is he easy going to the States? Or what's the story? Yeah, apparently it's it's a deal with DC United that's agreed in principle, is what Sky Sports News reported on saying. Uh, 12 million pounds, um, and Sam Allardyce is looking like he's going to be sacked from everything as well. And that's obviously the conflict that's. Yeah, that's obviously conflict that's led to Rooney wanting to leave, but now the fact that he is that Sam Allardyce is leaving, that could be like a bit of a bit of a thing where maybe Rooney might think about staying because like it has been agreed in principle, and the transfer window opens on Thursday officially now for the Premier League. That's right. Um, so it'd be interesting to see on Thursday what what is said and like what comes of that. But um, yeah, apparently apparently he's gone. But you're one of the situations too. It's not always the player himself. Could be the family or the wife, or somebody wants to move or do something else. You wonder how much of a factor that might be as well, because they've had a lot of media exposure the last twelve months, in particular, over Rooney and questions over his marriage and all that stuff. And maybe Colleen's thinking, "Oh, I want to get out of this situation. I want to go somewhere else." And that could be, you know, just like you have to wonder too: is that a factor that she could give him an ultimatum <laughs> to move to move? Like, let's be honest, because I mean, it, but it also was quite annoying to me is that when he went to Everton, did you think that? Um it was quite short-lived as Everton return. I, I was quite surprised yeah. that, uh, that he's gone now yeah. after one season with them. And all that's he, all he said when he went to Everton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Saying like yeah. he used to wear his Everton pyjamas underneath his United kit and all and yeah. things like that and wore his pyjamas to bed with Everton crests and all. And, uh, I kind of thought he'd finish his career with them like, that, after that's what uh, it leaving like, United. You know, uh, it seemed like this big triumphant return to finish off his career exactly, it was like yeah. stuff that that's like in dreams like he starts his career off there goes off to the big team yeah. and then returns home to, to finish off I wonder um, if he'd have lost a lot of respect now with the Toffee fans now yeah. after that but I don't think I don't think so no. like they like a lot of players or a lot of fans would kind of understand Rooney's mentality like when Rooney left Manchester United I did obviously I cared so much and it was hard to see him go but at the same time I understood from like a fan's perspective he, he, wasn't, he wasn't the player he was like in his early days as well so. I felt like he had to go for his sake yeah. and I think it's the same kind of situation now with the with the Evertonian fans well, I always remember when he moved from back in the day from United to Everton to United there was graffiti on the side of Goodison Park saying we thought you were a god but you turned into a devil you know a, but, red, uh, a red devil yeah, yeah but also I find that um Again, what I said about Lukaku last year comes back into this. How many crests has Lukaku kissed now in you know in, in his career? And it's similar thing again. All these statements, and it's just saying, "Come on, like give over." Oh, I love this club. I'm going to be there forever. Oh, uh, sorry, yeah, bigger paycheck over here. See you, lads. So again, it's just it, it's, it leaves a sickly feeling. It always has with me. So now we move on to the final segment of our podcast, which is the moment of the month and the on the bench. And my on the bench this month is that absolute joke of a Czech referee last night. For the Ireland game, it's ridiculous the way he carried on. You have young players out there, and that, you know, coming up, in the, and just to treat young fellas like that, something else, and there's just the, the blatant double standards he showed last night in the match, where the Dutch players were doing all sorts, 
and they were getting away with it. Yet the Irish team, so much as pretty sneezed on the pitch to free kick to that position, you know. Yeah. And I think that that's my on the bench, and I hope that guy is actually reprimanded by UEFA for what he did last night. Right, uh, my man of the month is the Barcelona players. Um, as a sign of respect to all the mothers, they went out onto the pitch with um, the mothers' names on the back of their jerseys instead of their own. So I thought it was kind And did they actually play the game though? I believe so, yeah. It was a nice, it was a nice, little, nice touch. Nice little thing, yeah. Sure. Um, my kind of covers uh, both moment of the month and on the bench. Um, obviously, there was a lot of excitement at the Etihad Stadium with the celebrations for lifting up the Premier League title. And there was a bit of a push and shove kind of thing with, uh, before lifting up the actual title itself. And... Young uh, attacking midfield player Sinchenko, he kind of came in and out of the team this season. Guardiola gave him a lot of uh, opportunities. Got pushed uh, and knocked over the Premier League trophy, subsequently having it fallen over. And his reaction was priceless. And uh, Twitter had a field day with it, obviously, saying this will be his legacy now and how he'll be remembered. But I love seeing those type of things. I think they're hilarious. Uh, Ramos done actually a couple of years ago for. Madrid uh, after they won the La Liga and he dropped it from a double decker bus yeah. so it's always hilarious and stuff like that you know when they're trying to act professional uh, my on the bench moment is as big as the uh, is a big as big a conspiracy as the, the moon landing and the JFK assassination um, and of course the Thierry and Rehan ball um, anyway so you wait for on their on their website accidentally unveiled the winner of the 2017-18 Champions League winners and it turned out to be Liverpool so pretty much like when you click onto their website you can look at previous winners from like 16-17 or whatever and when you click on 17-18 it does officially say that Liverpool are the winners of the Champions League final well that wraps up episode 6 of Goldmouth and we look forward to you hearing from us again <laughs> thanks very much folks <laughs> <laughs>